You're listening to the Footprint Coalition's Downstream channel. Today, we're continuing our deep dive into humanity's relationship with meat. Robert and Rachel, please welcome Eben Bayer. As the CEO and co-founder of Ecovative Design and Atlas Food, Eben has redefined how we can harness mushrooms to create sustainable materials. At Ecovative, Bayer manufactured mycelium-based materials to replace plastics in packaging. Atlas plans to build upon that success by creating mushroom-based foods. Their first product to hit market, My Bacon, has been met with rave reviews. We brought Eben on to help us understand how meat alternatives will continue to evolve and find their place in mainstream food in the coming years. There he is. You're joining us from, uh, from off the grid in New York, and you grew up on a farm in central Vermont. So you're not most people's idea of a startup founder. Why are you doing this? Uh, well, it actually kind of goes back to my roots. So I grew up on a small crop farm in, in Vermont, raised pigs, raised cows, raised chickens, made maple syrup. I was a true working farm and uh, I couldn't get wait, wait to get off the farm and like enter society uh, and go to engineering school. I wanted to work with technology, work with computers, work with jet engines. And it was uh, when I got to school and I started to live in a city that I was like freaked out by how people lived uh, compared to like this idyllic farming community I grew up in. Uh, I was about halfway through my engineering education and then I had like this entire flip in my mind, which is like the greatest technology in the world isn't a jet engine or a rocket ship or a microprocessor. It's like the chicken I left behind on the farm that I was like running away from. It's like this delicately in intricate piece of technology. And so I became obsessed with this idea of like, how can we go back to the farm? How can we go back to nature and get technology that lets humans live in harmony on Spaceship Earth? And so that was kind of my, my purpose behind starting Ecubative, which is all about using biology uh, to do that, to heal the Earth with biology. But I do like behind you that you have uh, what looks like a rocket ship, maybe. <laughs> these are all the blinky bits for my uh, off-grid house so solar controllers and hydro charge controllers and inverters yeah great <laughs> wow this was my workshop before i had to leave the office and and again so i'm the last person who ever confuses it it's atlas which also is like at last but also atlas who was you know like the guy in rockefeller center was holding the whole planet up so you co-founded ecovative this mushroom company while you were still an undergrad studying mechanical engineering, and, and you've been at it for uh, over a decade, 14 years plus. So tell us, will you please tell us about the significance of the shroom? So uh, mushrooms are incredibly understudied. Like the fungal kingdom, which is like one of the three primary kingdoms, you got plants and animals, kind of ignored by humans for a long time. Uh, mostly we eat one mushroom from this kingdom, the white button mushroom. Uh, we've gotten some amazing antibiotics, but it's like mostly like unexplored uh, technology. And, and I use that word intentionally. And so there's potential to use it for bioremediation. There's potential to use it for new medicines. Uh, what we focus on at Ecovative and Atlas is using the structural uh, components of mushrooms. So the texture, the fibers to either make high performance materials for things like aerospace or leather um, or really great plant based meat substitutes like we do at Atlas to help feed the planet. Okay, I just really quickly want to say there's two things that freak out my wife. One is if you ever see anything rising out of the water, like a submarine or an orca on a TV show or in reality. The other is when it rains and there was nothing in the grass and then you go out and there's mushrooms everywhere. She just goes, how did they get there so quick? How do they do this? So it's not like that ick factor or the disgust response we have, but it's this weird thing where the phenomenon of what they are and how they do what they do. I know you have an insider's uh, POV why why do you love the fung <laughs> so uh you know 
uh, I just watched that happen here. It just rained a bunch and I walked out my basement door and there's like all these mushrooms popping up and they weren't there hours ago. Uh, and that is incredible. And they like go from nothing to these macro scale structures in, in hours. Um, and the reason they can do that is actually the, the secret that powers our companies. Uh, and that's that the mushroom you see is actually a very small part of the life cycle of fungi um, and their biomass. So they spend most of their time underground in this form called mycelium, which is kind of like the root structure of mushrooms. But it's like really this like modular organism that's almost like a living plastic material. And at the right moment or the right signal, it can like shape itself into almost anything. Um, it mostly shapes itself into mushrooms. And kind of what we do is we take advantage of all the different things it could be. And we sort of teach it or trick it by the way we grow it to make other structures that have benefits for humans, um, either in industrial applications like replacing plastic or food. And a lot of the attributes are wildly different, right? What mycelia can do. Yeah. So, so we think of this kind of as the forager's secret, which is like if you walk into a forest and you just start lo looking at trees, you'll actually notice there's mushrooms on trees and you can walk up and touch them. And some of them feel silky smooth and some of them have a texture of velvet. Some of them are like gooey and icky. Uh, and some of them are actually gourmet species that people turn into high end cuts of, of plant based meat. And so you can get this whole range of properties in mushrooms, but they're like trapped in this mushroom geometry and they like appear sort of magically and randomly, as you were saying, Robert, like when the rain comes at the right time or an animal steps on the ground at the right time. And so it's like unlocking this secret is a whole other, I think it's like alien technology that's in the forest and we're like pulling it out of the forest and, and, and finding a way to use it. So I love foraging for mushrooms. My favorite part of my job when I started Ecovator was we go on hikes and we just like pull mushrooms off trees, put them in wax paper bags, bring them back to the lab, extract their cells like you're cloning a plant, right? And, and bank them. And finally, the team is like, please stop bringing back mushrooms. Like it takes so long <laughs> to evaluate a mushroom. Like they're piling up. You got to stop doing this. So I'm, I'm actually not a great forager. I take everything. And then just see if you die. Yeah, exactly. And, and by the way, uh, thanks for doing double duty with FPC today. Stevie and Johnny and I had you on Footprint Fridays for our, our venture capital funds earlier in the day. But what I'm really enjoying about this is that I feel like I'm getting into your head. I'm looking at the story of where you came from, then going to an urban area and lamenting the lack of contact and context you had, and now being back in it, but realizing the nano superheroic nature of it while having gone to go out and come back with the engineering degrees and the and the the armature necessary to do something with it it really is like a it's like a a, a prodigal son kind of myth it's fantastic yeah it's that's actually really really well described and often in life like all you need to do is like change how you see the world uh, and for me, this was like two massive perspective shifts that like stacked that kind of, I think, gave me a unique insight in the space. With the bacon specifically, you're you're growing whole cuts of meat, basically, which is an important thing, right? This is an important distinction of what you do yeah. compared to some of the plant based alternatives that are out there. Right. So what makes that process really appealing to you? And I know you've spoken a little bit about like biomimicry. So maybe if you could you could talk about how it works. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that's really important to us in using this like beautiful alien technology we find in the forest is applying it to like really important problems. So there's like a lot of things you can do with mycelium. And then there are some things we think it can do better than any other technology, whether it be a jet engine or biology in the world. And so uh, creating whole cut meat replacements, we think is one of those because these mushrooms already exist in nature. Uh, the reason we're going after it is if you look at impact, 80% of all the meat that's eaten uh, in the US is whole cuts of meat. So think pork chops, think fish, think steak, think bacon. Only 20% is things like burgers or sausages. So if you're really gonna have that like 
changing consumptive habits, you got to address that that quadrant. And so uh, that's one of the reasons we've really we really focused in on that. And as far as the flavor profile, uh, I was starting to dig into this with you earlier. What I really appreciated earlier, and eventually we'll have people who call in and get questions or we'll have a queue like we did for uh, for the Footprint Fridays, but um, people were really able to drill down and say, but how would you do this? And what's your business plan? I mean, literally kick the tires, the roof, the glass, the side views. But just for the folks, in, how do you tweak the uh, flavor profile so that mushroom can be pork or chicken or beef? And then also, where does the fat come from? So we really rely on nature to do a lot of the work. And this is this idea of like biomimicry, or I like to think of it as bioadaptation, because we're like literally getting the biological organism to do the thing it already knows how to do. And so the, the secret is to go find a mushroom in the forest. And, and we're fortunate that like high-end chefs and, and these weird mushroom forager people have already found them over thousands of years that actually take taste like really like pork and have the texture of pork. Uh, or taste really like beefsteak and have the beefsteak texture. And they have mushrooms like the beefsteak polypore, right? Or like colloquially chicken of the woods. And so these are kind of like known secrets, but only to a few a few people. And so we go get those species and then we work with the organism to re-express those textures and flavors uh, in this, this sort of industrialized process. And, and how does it, you know, in the industrialized process, how does it compare to something like livestock farming in terms of the resources that it uses? Uh, this is one of the areas where it's really powerful. Uh, so fungi are very, very efficient at converting lower grade products like wood chips uh, into protein and something that's actually kind of flesh-like. So so fungi are more similar to animals than plants are to animals. They're like our closest relative in the phylogenic tree. Uh, and so it's very efficient. You know, you're talking a, a, a fraction like one one hundredth of the land use or one one thousandth of the land use, a fraction of the water, a fraction of the greenhouse gas emissions. So like straight up CO2. Uh, but also in the case of pork, like there's a lot of issues around effluent and runoff that cause like algae blooms in the Gulf. And so there, there's none of that. The only byproducts from the process are water. Uh, water vapor and very small amounts of CO2 because mus mushrooms do respirate just like us, but they do this in a 10 day period. And so also the time domain is like uh, much, much shorter. It's months to grow a pig. It's years to grow a cow. It's days to grow uh, my bacon. And also it all happens in the dark, like all perfect procreation should. Um, you started this with uh, mushroom packaging to replace plastics. Uh, how did you get to food? And by the way, I just want to I want to hear about the journey to food, but I am already so interested in just the packaging side of things. And when Rachel and and the fellows guide me into what the right consumer facing products to get behind are going to be, uh, there will be even more uh, ecovative to go around because I want to use all your stuff brother so part of what we've done over the years when you we, we created a new field here the field of miscellaneous materials is like wasn't didn't really exist in 2006 um and so there was like uh nothing to start from and so uh we wanted to create impact and we thought we could do that through capitalism through a commercial enterprise and we wanted to pick a market uh, where we thought there was a big problem and so this was part of my journey of coming off the farm where it's like bucolic Vermont countryside, there's no pollution, uh, and ending up in Troy, New York, where it's like, I go walk in the parks and like, there's plastic everywhere. And, you know, it was all about like, people should not litter and do this less consumption. I was like, people, it's hard to change humans. Like, why can't we find a way to provide products to humans, like a banana peel, where if it ends up in the park, it's a nutrient, it's not a pollutant. Um, and so when we started working with mycelium, I was really focused on replacing styrofoam for the problem reason. 
Um, and then the other factor was when we started, like the products were like, we really didn't understand how to work with this organism, right? So it's taken us many years to like get to the level of control and quality where we can create an incredible bacon or an incredible leather like textile. And so packaging was like uh, an important problem, but also an entry point for the technology where we could make, like I was literally growing packaging in my dorm room under my bed and like bringing it to prospective customers to like try and close a sale. And so like, it's sort of like you could start like super DIY there and then like work your way up. And we just like bootstrap, bootstrap, bootstrap for a long time. Uh, I wanna show you something that I think you're okay. gonna recognize that speaking of materials instead of food is kind of interesting. And I think, uh, you probably have a friend that wears one of these. You oh can yeah, see it. it looks like Paul Stamets hat. <laughs> <laughs> it is, is like a Amadou? Paul Stamets hat. The other mushroom yeah. guy. So this, uh, these are from Transylvania. Beautiful. Right? I decided to order yeah. one because I just had to know. And it's lovely. It smells great. It it's really like pliable. Yeah. It's kind of like suede, but not. And it seems like mushrooms yeah. can kind of make anything. You have something maybe in leather you're working on? Yeah, so that actually, the, it's sort of inspired by that work. So they make that material by taking, uh, actually, they go, it's really, it's beautiful. They go right into the woods. They harvest the fruiting bodies off of a tree. And then they sort of like, almost like in a paper making process, they like beat it, beat that structure out into that sheet format. Because a mushroom isn't big enough to be a hat unless you're a very small person. Um, <laughs> so what we're doing is we're actually selecting the same mushrooms to make our leather that they use to make your hat. But rather than like sort of mushing it into the hat format, we, we get the mushroom to just grow in this like mycelium slab you see here. Um, that's like has the same structure and velvety feel, but much, much, much more strength. Uh, and we can make these sheets like 50 feet long and four feet wide. So it's much more efficient than an animal hide. And you just sort of cut out the profile uh, you need to make. It's amazing. And you don't even have to go to Transylvania. <laughs> I'd love to go there on a foraging expedition. A 2,000 square foot strip. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's wow. the industrialization component and that's the component that makes it accessible because these things actually have to be like uh, really cost competitive with what we have. Otherwise, they just, they can't scale in capitalism. And so to get your impact effect, you, you got to have both elements. It's where you get out of the wavy gravy. Well, anybody could make anything from anything if they felt like it, but how is that really uh, pushing the peanut? You could make a tiny house maybe out of mushrooms. Do you know something uh, about that? Grow, <laughs> we did grow a house once. Uh, this fit in the, er, I'll also tell you on our journey, early on in my, my career, we explored everything. So like it was really on this, like, what can we do? This is amazing. It's a new thing. Um, and so, yeah, one year we grew a whole house. We, we started, it was like a slip form concrete forming where you put down two boards. We filled it up with mycelium. We'd wait a day. We'd come down and we'd put two more boards down until we had a whole house built. No studs, no nails, no glue. The whole thing is grown together. Um, it's on a trailer. We towed it to New York City once down the highway, 70 miles per hour. And now it's like a little office outside our building, but like totally works. Oh, <laughs> Doesn't wow. meet building code. You know, and speaking of uh, Vermont is uh, for lovers and innovators. We also have a tiny, strange and fun side business where we do spice blends. And Chef Tyler is out of uh, Vermont. So more than likely, anyone that's out there listening, wind up on our mailing list. And two items we can assure you are going to be in our Christmas care packages are Mink Dogs Bespoke Spice Blends. And of course, this My Bacon from Atlas. Yeah. Can you tell us when this is going to hit the market? Like when Love can it. people go buy this in the grocery store? So, so the good news is it's actually on store shelves now. 
Uh, and I mean store though. So we launched, we pushed, Singular. we pushed really hard to get into one, one grocery store in upstate New York. It's at the Honest Way Co-op. It's been on the shelf since November. It's sold along the meat products. And we did that intentionally because we're, we're actually trying to get meat eaters to use the product. And response has been incredible. It sells out in 24 hours uh, every time we deliver. Uh, and we deliver at the rate they told us to deliver based on their pork bacon. Um, more wide availability coming this year. Uh, grocery stores across the northeastern seaboard, and we may do a DTC program in the fall. Uh, so folks who don't live in uh, upstate New York can get their hands on it. I just want to pause right now because, Eben, you're at this place. I remember when in a different venture, in a different business entirely, I was at it. It's the place where the ground swell is beneath your feet. The wind is at your back. Everything is lined up. And now you're doing a lot of press because it's the time to do it because uh, all of the elements have aligned. So I just want to say that uh, it's exciting to see it. And the fact that you've earned it in a way that is both so, the, the sweat equity is nuts. But like I said, and I'll try not to repeat anything I, I, I said another time that we spoke, but you're one of those guys who you got it in 3,000 hours and then you spent 20,000 hours of diligence to make sure that you could uh, that you could do right by everyone else and and do well by doing good. So it's uh, it's really it's just impressive and cool. And you're just an, an impressive guy. And the product speaks for itself. I mean, we're convinced. We're invested. Um, what can the folks do at home to uh, muster a mushroom movement, so to speak? Uh, I really appreciate you saying that. It's it's super insightful, Robert, about this like moment in time because like. Uh, it has been actually a very long period for me, like on the plastic side, particularly like I was begging people to not use plastic packaging in 2010 and like having to explain to people why, like, it's a bad thing. And there has been this like massive cultural shift and there are just like moments in time when something can happen uh, and you have to grab those moments in time and go. Um, and I do think there's this like zeitgeist cultural revolution moment of mushrooms happening. And it's really is a groundswell and and, and helping uh, folks at home. If you want to grow mushroom materials like in your kitchen, we actually offer a kit. Uh, go to grow.bio, G-R-O-W.bio. Uh, for like 15 bucks, you can get a little bag in the in the mail. It's dehydrated mushroom substrate like like sea monkeys. Uh, you can put water in it in your kitchen. It's the only thing you have to add, a little flour. And you can actually grow your own thing. So get a mold. You can grow this with your kids. You can do it for fun. We have artists, designers, teachers, students, people around the world do this. It's like our gateway. It's like our Apple II computer to get people into like biofabrication. <laughs> I had a That's failed so sea monkey attempt recently, so I'm very excited about mushrooms. It might be oh, easier. Awesome. The grow kits are pretty reliable. And 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 by the way, uh, by the way, speaking of of gateway, you know, of, of all the access that I may have uh, have have been granted because of my old uh, day job. The coolest thing was it brought me to Rachel and she showed me that you can have access and leverage and you can get capital and you can get so-and-so on the phone. But it really is when you're in the weeds with the people who are on the precipice and doing it, that's kind of where the buzz is. So I want to give a uh, last question or thoughts to Kropa. And, uh, and and I also want to thank you, dear woman, for bringing me to a place where I can be having these kinds of conversations. Well, I have actually just kind of an off pace, slightly morbid question for you that I just was okay. excited, to, <laughs> excited. So I always pictured that when I died, I would be buried in a hollow tree. Like someone would that. put a little tin over the hole and I would sort of be in there. And in on the case that I like woke up and re wasn't really dead, then it would be, I could punch my way out. But also yeah. I would sort of just become part of the ecosystem. Common fear, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what is, so I guess... 
Do you like the idea of being part of a mushroom ecosystem upon your death? And maybe what might your headstone say? <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, two things on that. One, uh, you may have read about this on the BBC, but there's a group in the Netherlands making mushroom coffins now. So they're growing them out of mycelium composites. And consider that for your future. Uh, and I like to say they're proudly, they're a licensee of ours. So one of the things we do in markets where we're not going to focus is we actually provide training or just like access to people that want to use the technology. And, and that group's loop if you want to pre-order a coffin and check, check them out. Um, I actually really love your idea of being uh, in a hollow tree that's growing where like the bark kind of seals around. I think that's, that's super beautiful. Um, but yeah, I, I'll rejoin the mushroom ecosystem and uh, be part of the mushroom internet. And hopefully they'll, they'll pick a few things up and uh, take them around the forest. That would, that would be my dream. Re-enter re the universal consciousness through mycelium. This last segment sponsored by Tim Burton's movies. <laughs> <laughs> you can always count yeah, on there, me to be There's gotta dark. be a mycelium, dark mycelium one coming. <laughs> There always is. We like to party on Fridays. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. Um, and then on the, I'll, I'll just, I'll just riff on this from earlier. This is actually on Buckminster Fuller's tomb, tombstone, but his, and, and Robert, you said this earlier on, uh, on the investing podcast, but uh, his tombstone says, call me trim tab. And it's all about this idea that uh, people, if they apply themselves at the right point in the world can have tremendous leverage and actually move the whole planet. And so um, I view myself as a disciple of Bert Swerzy. Uh, he was my professor who helped me start Ecovative. He had this belief that people can do way more than they realize and can really like positively impact the planet if they can just like get their head around it. And uh, uh, that was what Buckminster Fuller was all about too. So it's like finding that point of leverage and just going after it and trying to move the world. So uh, I, I can't steal Bucky's, but something like- Well, please, please give us your teacher's name again, because sometimes we say it and we gloss over because we want to get to the thing, but tell me about him. Tell me a little more about him because I, I think that- on the education side, we all had somebody who told us that we had to see beyond the boundaries and the limitations of our blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it sticks. Sometimes it feels, uh, you know, perfunctory. But what was his name again? And tell us a little more. I'm not letting you go now. <laughs> no, no, thank you. I, I actually would really appreciate this because uh, Bert Swerzy Bert uh, changed the trajectory of my life. Uh, he worked at Edwin Land under Polaroid, uh, uh, who was, Edwin Land was like the original Steve Jobs. And um, he retired, he came up to upstate New York and he took a teaching job at Rensselaer. Uh, and he was like an insane guy. Like half the students absolutely hated taking his class and half the students totally loved him. And all the pro entrepreneurs at RPI over the past 20 years went through this gentleman's class and he pushed people so hard. He was so passionate and he believed so deeply in like uh, the, 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 like young students could really have a positive impact on the world and like totally changed the trajectory of my life. He was such a believer in people. You ever meet someone who just like believes in you and makes it possible for you to do something? Like he just instilled this power in his students. And like, uh, he, he was like a spiritual co-founder for Ecovative. He made the first investment. When I graduated, I had a job. He called me up when I left school every day for two weeks until I quit my job took his $25,000 investment and started working full-time on this project. So I owe, I owe everything to this, this, this guy. And I hope one day to, to, to try and give back in that role too. So, so thank you for that opportunity. Rach, anything else, man? I, Evan, I honestly, I could, I could, I could talk to you, uh, ad infinitum. <laughs> well, we'll have more time. Okay. Uh, look at her go. I How's it holding up? Bacon. It's still good, right? It's so good. Look at this on that crunch. <laughs> You guys yeah. got it right. <laughs> Send us the oven cooking instructions. We haven't done that yet. I want to know how you did it. Okay. See, there it is. I went from worst chef ever to I now I have something to add to the uh, to, to the blog. Fast learner. All right, Mr. Bear, we will be in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Rachel and I have much to ingest. I'll let you go. Thanks a lot. Bye. Take care, man.